What is up, guys, and welcome back to the Sweat It Out podcast. Today, we have a very special guest, all the way from NYC, but she's a Miami native herself. She is, is, she is a real estate sales and marketing expert, founder of Development Marketing Team, and guys, she is a high performer. Please help us welcome the one and only Alisa Brody. How are you? Hi, thank you guys so much for having me. I'm so excited. Of course. No, thank you for coming on and just coming to take your time to share with us your your value, your your journey, and of course, get to know some of your Miami roots because, you know, we're from Miami ourselves. So definitely excited about that. Absolutely. So, so tell I know, us, maybe we discover we're like cousins or something. Oh, shoot. I know. <laughs> I know. We're, so just, just so everybody knows, we we're talking about how we're, we're all Cuban here. And we are from Miami, so we're talking about that off the podcast. So I guess we could start with that. So were you born and raised in Miami, or did you come to Miami? How, how, how was that? Yeah, so I was born and raised in Miami. I am a real Cuban girl from Hialeah. Went to Miami Lakes Elementary and everything. Um, and I didn't come to New York until I was 22, and law school is what brought me here. Wow. So I spent a really good amount of time growing up in Miami. So, so do you miss it? Do you, do you not miss it? T- tell us a little bit about that. Um, I miss it all the time. Uh, I feel that obviously my whole family is there. So that's the biggest part. And I missed it the most once I had my children, because I felt that a Miami upbringing is such a special and different and distinct like upbringing. And it kind of makes me sad that they're not going to experience that. But at the same time, they're New Yorkers, which is really cool too. So yeah. But when I go home, I, I say home because that's what feels like home for me, even though I've been here for 12 years now. Gotcha. Gotcha. The 12 years yeah. is still a lot though. So you've, you've yeah. accustomed yourself to New York then. <laughs> Yeah, I think New York, it's its a very addicting place to live if you love that kind of energy. You know, it's not for everyone. It definitely could be draining. But I feel really lucky that I can go home at least a few times a year and still kind of like feel connected to Miami. Totally. Amazing. How did you get into real estate? So what's like your background? So believe it or not, I actually got into real estate before moving here. Um, do you guys remember... Like there used to be these big billboards with a caveman and it said like, Ugg buys ugly houses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Homevestor. So it was a franchise. And when I was a senior in college, which I went to FIU, go Panthers. And I, my stepdad came in one day, he's like, I'm gonna buy a franchise and you're gonna learn to run it and you're gonna learn the real estate industry. So I was like, all right, cool. I was, you know, maybe like 16. I have like a late birthday, 16, 17 years old. And so I went to Dallas, Texas for two and a half, three weeks. And I learned the entire franchise system. And I came back and we opened our shop in Miami. And basically we decided to farm out the area. So like we are in in Bell Harbor now or Bay Harbor. So basically from 125th down to what now is like when what we started buying up houses and as close to 95 as we could. So we would buy and flip or buy and renovate. And that's where I learned the hustle. That's where I learned the game of what was, you know, to invest in real estate and to own real estate. And I fell in love with that. So when I was going to law school, cause I already knew that I was going, I decided to focus all my efforts into real estate law. So that's what I studied and I specialized in real estate transactions. Oh, amazing. That's really, really cool. And not for anything now, do you miss 
not being here in Miami with all the stuff and the movement going on with the, with the whole boom of Miami and where real estate is? Well, I was going to wait until the end guys, but I guess I can announce you'll be the first to know that we are opening DMT Miami come early in 2022. So I have, I have missed it. Um, the pandemic obviously really cemented the relationship between New York and Miami and it's become, I think, uh, I mean, for, for New Yorkers who, you know, even my husband used to diss Miami all the time. He's a Brooklyn boy. Now it's like, it's a, it's another borough, right? It's like the sixth borough of New York. So it just makes the most sense being a native, a, a native Florida girl to kind of plant some roots there as well, because we do have a lot of, a lot of synchronicity going back and forth. Even today I received two referrals for Miami property it's so. insane like you really see and, and what's crazy because you're talking about new york boroughs but like miami's almost the same thing it's like boroughs as well it's like it's pockets you know you got all yeah, these different pockets in miami and county the county's so big so it's really interesting you know especially seeing after covid and during covid the massive shift especially from people from new york coming down here have you been noticing that yeah can you bring that up hey, is miami well is new york empty or is it What's the status over there? No. <laughs> She's like, no. Miami definitely, <laughs> yeah. It was, though. It was. You know, I definitely had the opportunity to finally move home. I feel like it was in July 2020 and kind of, like, reassessing what we wanted to do with our lives, generally speaking. But, uh, again, my husband is a diehard New Yorker. We also have, you know, a lot of buildings in in construction and also already completed here so it was really hard for us to just kind of pick up and leave however a lot of my friends whose husbands were in the tech or the finance world and they have a lot of flexibility all picked up and left out of let's say 10 friends that left eight came back already that's kind of what happened after the first year but it also the eight that came back now have a connection to Miami and they love Miami. So they're either making it a second home or they're making it somewhere that they will frequent, um, you know, for winter break or, you know, during the colder months. But I think that I saw the biggest shift come home during Hampton season here, which is the summer because Miami gets really hot. Um, so I think that it's created kind of like a buy, I don't want to say buy Colson because it's down the street, but you know what I mean? Like, uh, totally. you live in both places. Yeah. So is that what you catch yourself doing too? Do you think that you're going to be in that position where you'll be now getting yourself a property down here and going back and forth from New York and Miami? A hundred percent. That would be the, the long-term goal. Yeah. I, in a perfect world, I would, I'd love to, obviously New York is always home base and, you know, headquarters for development marketing team, but if I had the ability to spend a couple of weeks in Miami at a time during the month, like that'd be great. Love that. That'd be really great. Yeah. So moving from, you know, development marketing team and everything you're doing now, like obviously you did this with your stepdad, you had the whole business of flipping, buying homes and flipping. What, how, what came about the real estate venture for yourself and develop marketing? How did that come about? I think that I'm, uh, no, I don't think, I know that I'm a natural born entrepreneur. And I think that it comes from being an immigrant, a first generation American, right? Like that hustle, that like kind of that weird, no fear, you can do it, just get out there and grind attitude has been able to propel my career forward every step of the way. And I spent, you know, a good nine years of my career here 
working for other bigger firms. So I definitely got my experience in working with, you know, the most recently like Compass and what that meant. And um, so the natural progression for me was always opening my own shop and the pandemic exacerbated or I guess propelled that a lot faster than I would have expected. So yeah, I think that answers the question, but um, I don't know. I, I feel like this is always, when I first came here to go to law school, the idea was to go back to Miami and open up title company and brokerage company. And um, it just so happened that, you know, my life here kind of started to unfold and the connections and I started working in this market and they're very, very different markets. Everything about them is different. Maybe the people or the buyers and the renters and the sellers now are the same, but the mechanics of the transactions are extremely different. Could you so for a long that? time, I, yeah, I'd love to, if you really want to hear yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The difference is really interested in that. Okay. Um, yeah. So you, even though I spent some time in Miami learning like the hustle of buying and flipping homes because it was also homes. When I came here, I had no idea what I was doing. It was, it's completely different. Like one of the biggest differences, let's say is that you deal here with multifamily, right? We are vertical living. So just the differences in like condos and cooperatives, you know, co-ops being such a niche thing in, in New York and for your, your audience that doesn't know what a cooperative is, it's essentially a building that you don't own the real property, you own shares in the building and you co-own the building with other shareholders and the mechanics of even being able to get approved for a co-op is, you know, it's insanity. The package is like 350 pages. You have to give like everything for your, so things like that, the mechanics are really different. The role of an attorney is extremely different. Um, in Miami, you use your, an, an attorney just to close title, right? Here, you actually use the attorney to draft the contract, to do the due diligence, to close the deal. So attorneys here are a really important part of the process, whereas in Florida, your agent does the majority of that up until basically your title. So, and that's for residential real estate. Commercial real estate is really different. So just to preface that, I, I primarily focus on residential real estate. So that in and of itself, the mechanics, the structures of ownership, the parties that are important to the transaction, there is very little similarity between the two markets. So how difficult is it? Because now it's that I didn't even know this and I'm, I'm a real estate broker here in Miami. So um, how difficult is it to buy, I guess, one of those those buildings, those vertical units? So you have to buy out the whole uh, the whole cooperative or how does that work out? No, no, you don't have to buy the whole thing. I mean, unless you want to buy the whole building and turn it into a rental, which is what we love to do on a personal level. But um, it's not that it's difficult. It's a lot more involved, right? So you, the main, the main, I guess, uh, hurdle is financials. Because for a cooperative, because you are going to be, a sh basically what it means is like, you're going to have shares in the building and then you get a lease from the building to be able to live in your unit. Right. Mm -hmm. So in order to be able to qualify to get in there, you need to show that you can afford to live in that apartment and to continue to carry the maintenance and to carry, um, that's another difference. So like, you know, you have condos, you have maintenance and you have taxes or common charges and taxes in a co-op 
everything is all in one. So to be able to carry that monthly maintenance, which includes your taxes, Good to have your- uh, you have to, yeah, you have to really qualify. And there's a certain debt to income ratio that you need to meet. There's a certain post-closing liquidity that you need to meet. Um, back in the day before there was a lot of changes to our laws, boards could require you to put three years of maintenance in escrow wow. just, just because, hmm. right. They could deny you for no reason. Um, obviously based on, they can't deny you based on race or the color of your skin or any of, out of that, but they can deny you because if you financially don't qualify or if like the structure didn't work for them, they could just try to flat out deny you. So as an agent, imagine working maybe like six months with a buyer, you finally get something in contract 45 days later, your buyer gets rejected. You're starting over. You're starting the entire process over. So that information isn't upfront. Um, you know, there's no, I guess, bylaws or anything like that from the cooperative that you can pull up front or ask. Cause here, when you deal with associations, I'll just, when you're buying one of these apartments, they, they give you everything. So you get the information, you know, more or less what they qualify for. You have your lender. They'll tell you what, you know, what the requirements that they have budget reserves and all that. Um, here's a little bit different. You're telling me when you're towards the end of the transaction, if you're under contract, they can just cancel at any moment, just kick you out and, and that's it. They can cancel a transaction with a board rejection. Yeah. Um, wow. You know, you do your best to pre-qualify your clients first. You know, we use something called the revenue financial forum and you kind of understand the makeup, but there's, there's a lot of different reasons, you know, for example, if there's a purchase price that's, you know, substantially under the value and it's going to bring the building down, they, they could definitely reject you for that. Um, or they can reject the deal for that. But yeah, it's, it's New York is a lot more, um, I feel like in, intricate when it comes to the transactional work. And I really love that every, every single deal is really different. I can't speak so much about the Miami market because I haven't brokered so much. I was Mm. more of an private investor, but, um, it's really exciting. And I feel like the, my favorite part personally is that it is vertical living. So while the facade, everyone lives in the same building, you never know what's behind the door. Right. Like there's never going to be a unit, even in a cookie cutter building, that's going to feel and look the same. And that's, I think, the most exciting part of when I'm working with a buyer or working with a seller. Interesting. And like, what is the product? Yeah. Very, very interesting. What What do you think, what's your take now, which, you know, you're talking about vertical living. What do you think now with Miami where you're, you're seeing a lot of buildings just keep going up, you know, and they're trying to implement more of this vertical living down here. Um, you know, you're seeing downtown, Brickle, Midtown, all going up, even Wynwood. If you go to Wynwood now, the Wynwood right. doesn't even look like Wynwood. They just they're building buildings up, you know. And if you go down the east side, even down to South Miami, Gables, you go all through US One, you're just seeing buildings go up. What do you what do you think about that? How do you think that's going to shift down here? You know, or do you think there's going to be comparisons from things happening in New York over here in Miami? That's a great question. Um, I actually would want to ask you that question after I want you to answer it, being the expert. Um, oh, I have field, an answer for you for that. <laughs> you do? Oh, yeah. Okay. So let me, I'll make like a educated guess. I think that, you know, for a long time, Miami, the ownership dream is the house, right? I feel like that's what we were always accustomed to. I didn't live in an apartment until I was in college where my mom Especially decided Cuban to move families. to the beach. <laughs> yeah, like you need a house, you need a papio, you know. Compra like, la casa. <laughs> yeah, compra la casa. It's like the biggest, you know, accomplishment. And um, and also in the neighborhoods that you would buy it, right? I feel, or what I've seen is that the beach, at least, 
it has evolved a lot, right? Mm -hmm. So the beach is something that I feel that if there is product and there is volume, it can be absorbed by New Yorkers or by pretty much any snowbird, right? Because they want to be on the beach, right? You move, if you want to have a second home like me, like if I, I'm not going to get a house in Miami for what? I want to be on the beach. I want to be on the water or at least near water where I can have a boat because it's a different lifestyle, even though it's a condo for me. New Yorkers are used to living vertically though. So it's just kind of like better weather and a nicer view. However, the majority of the population, I'd be interested in seeing like how they feel being like in Miami and being raised in Miami. I, I predict that the only demographic that would absorb something that it is a younger demographic. So you would have to see, you know, younger buyers going out and investing money in their condos early on which also, I mean, historically speaking, we tend to stay with our parents for as long as we can. Yep. So I don't know. I, I actually a, would want to really see like, yeah, because even Brickell, you know, I had some friends after college move there as, as renters to experience kind of like a more urban lifestyle city living. Uh, but it was also really different. You didn't have Brickell city center. You didn't have much. So from the time that I left and the time now, I feel like Miami is a completely different place in terms of housing product. Yes. Oh, well, sorry, 100%. Amenities and location, like you're saying. Um, so so what, what is your prediction? So there's I don't a, think there's enough New Yorkers to absorb all of it. <laughs> so, so, so there's a couple of things. I think that our generation um, is a product of a couple of financial catastrophes. So you had 2008 that really made a dent on people. And if you grew up during that time, if you were fortunate here, if you if you were growing up with your family, you saw they were going through some heartache. So a lot of people, I think our generation have more mistrust about, you know, government taking care of you or, you know, things just panning out. Then on top of that, you have covid people losing their jobs you have a year i guess like a, a vacation per se where you're trying to figure out your life that's where you're seeing people just quitting their jobs and leaving so now the american dream is not the american dream of hey i'm going to buy a white picket fence to start a family the american dream is i'm an investor so when you ask people that's the first thing that's good that's happening right now oh. and at least for most people that, that i've interacted with everyone who's buying a property at least um you know 30 35 within that age range they're they're looking to be investors they're not buying one property buying multifamily. yeah um here me and anthony you know we we live in um in south miami in a pretty good decent area and we've been just seeing all these luxury high rises coming up so the there is a big big um housing demand but there is not enough supply so they can't build any further out west. They're building now brand new east, but everything they're building up. brand new east is going up, and this is luxury uh, living. So like you said, the, the inventory that's out there, it's going to be absorbed by the young, the young people, but those who've been here, unfortunately, in Westchester and those areas, they're going to get gentrified out of their own homes. So it's not a matter of when that's going to happen or you know, it's going to be how that's going to get played out because it's going to happen. See. Your prediction is like how New York created neighborhoods, which is that they, you go into neighborhoods like Williamsburg, like what we were talking mm -hmm. about and where they were historic residential neighborhoods, but then put up really nice, beautiful glass towers. Um, and it did change neighborhoods a lot. And it did, like you're saying, kind of push people out. But I guess my question for you is, are they putting up rentals or are they putting up condos? Well, the condos, like, what do you see? 
so for a while, I think for the past five years, they haven't been doing brand new construction condos because, you know, obviously if you're a developer, you're not going to assume that liability and start creating all these condos because now you're selling those units and you're still liable even after development for anything that happens to the building. So the business model is let's develop, let's lease them out, and then let's let it ride. Now, recently with the new influx of uh, appeal coming from New York and California, there's new development products that are coming out on the market, but those are going to be, those are going to be pricey. You know, you're talking about high association costs. You're talking about not the average consumer is going to buy that. And they're building it in Brickell yeah. and downtown Wynwood area. Um, that's what they're, that's what they're building. And it's, and it's, um, even, even down by where we live, man. Yeah. About you know, where we, live. we live right behind Dayland Mall. Yeah. You we're know? in South Miami. Yeah. If you see Dayland yeah. behind that area, what it's become now, it's like those, those apartments we live in, they're, you know, compared to what things were before, they're expensive. You know what I mean? They're expensive. They're expensive. The rent, yeah. The, I think it was a month ago, but I think Miami hit all-time high rentals in the country in rent. You know, so... Well, you didn't serve... You hit well, right behind you. Right behind. Yeah. Sorry. I meant to say... I was going to say all-time high for us and then um, uh, right below New, you, right, New, York. New York. And then in the housing market, what was it? We beat out LA, which was insane. Which is insane. Which is insane. I think it's going to be really fascinating. You know, something that they do here that we do a lot or my husband builds a lot is um, and I don't, I don't know if this is something similar to what you do, but it, in terms of like kind of speaking towards like, what do you do about neighborhoods that, and we don't use gentrification here because it's a really dirty word. I like to call it evolution of neighborhoods. Interesting. I like it. Um, the marketing. See, it's interesting to know evolve. that too. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, yeah. Gentrification is a dirty word here for that reason. Right. Because it, it, in people's mind, well, we're in my, we're in Miami. What isn't dirty? <laughs> yeah, different. Like people are a little bit more sensitive, you know, and the East Coast about things. Um, but basically, you know, the government works with the developers and they create a tax incentive, right? And they it's called a they basically they do a 70-30 building, right? So 70% free market, 30% affordable. And in return of that developer doing 30% of the building affordable they get a tax incentive or a tax break from the government, right? Mm -hmm. So there's been a lot of criticism about that here and and what that creates um, in terms of bifurcation of a building. But now that, you know, it's it's been happening for a long time, you know, what it does is it does allow a community to evolve together, right? Because I I think that developers get a bad rap for for certain things, but at the end of the day, they are taking the risk. They're going in mm-hmm. and they are evolving neighborhoods and creating beautiful products that does give people a place to live. So I think that if you know uh, Miami started maybe and maybe they do, I, I really I'm not sure. And this is something that we are now diving much deeper in and researching as we expand into that market. But just going back to our original conversation of how different you know the. The, the two worlds are in terms of just real estate, that's a vehicle that I think that would work really lovely or really nicely. I mean, if you can kind of collaborate with the government and figure out things, programs that you can make that work. It's really regulated here. It's been done for a very, very long time. There's a lot of criticism about it, but I have seen buildings, you know, I have a building right now that it's um, it's a cooperative, and the entire neighborhood at one point was just a Mitchell Lama neighborhood. So basically, the whole neighborhood was rentals built for uh, firefighters and doctors, police workers, nurses, right, and a certain middle income. And now private ownership has come in, 
and turn that into a cooperative. But in return, they keep a certain percentage where they sell back their units to the tenants that are living there. Mm. So imagine you've been living in a cooperative for 15 years, right? And you never thought you'd be able to own something. You never even thought about it. You've just been paying your rent. And now a private owner comes in and goes, I'm going to, I'm going to co-op this. I'm going to turn this into a sale. And I'm going to give you as an insider sale, the opportunity to purchase your unit at 30% of the market value. Okay. That's the big difference. And there's 361 units in the building that I'm selling about 50% of the people are purchasing their unit. So that's over a hundred, you know, plus people that never even thought that they would buy their medium income rental. And now they're going to be owners in New York in the most competitive market and the most, I mean, one of the most valuable markets to, of, you know, to be a homeowner. Um, so I think that there's vehicles in how you can evolve neighborhoods in the, in, in a smart way. And maybe, you know, Miami can take some notes from New York and how they did that. Well, because you're, and yeah. just, just to bring this up, so there are a lot of public-private partnerships going on here in Miami. There's grants and there's certain funding of vehicles that you'll get, um, especially for opportunity zones and work for workforce housing that's here. That they like city of Miami. You know how all these municipalities. Miami's very yeah. interesting. Very interesting how it's broken up. They'll get federal funds and then they'll appropriate them to different municipalities and then they manage with their own housing authority how they're going to use that money or how they're going to address certain issues. Um, Miami is working on those things, but I think that they need to get a little bit, um, they need to just push the envelope a little more. And I guess in New York, take a little bit from New York. Cause I have not heard about that, that you're able to purchase or have like an inside deal purchasing that. I think that's a pretty, uh, unique. And I think a, a good way to promote, um, uh, home ownership. Home ownership. Totally. Yeah, exactly. So it, it's called an occupied conversion when that happens here, meaning that you take an older rental building. That's an uh, that's occupied with existing tenants, and then you convert it into ownership, uh, an ownership vehicle. Like and they buy. do that, right? I mean, they do that here because there's not, we don't have any more land. You know, you can't like create more of New York. You kind of have to take the existing structures that you have, and so yeah, it's it's interesting, it and interesting. It, and the community is really receiving it. And what's really lovely is that you're taking an existing community that's been there and have created such beautiful memories. It's, I, I call it generational because grandma would have been there, then mom and then grandchild. And then you're bringing new ownership and new life and the entire building gets renovated. So totally. even though you're purchasing your unit as an insider, you're getting your lobby upgraded, you're getting your elevators, you're getting your windows upgraded. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a really positive thing, I think, in terms of like development. So now the question for you is, now that you're opening up shop here in Miami, going to be spending time here what's what's your angle what's your play in the real estate market I'm here? so excited you asked that so I think I'm gonna if I can die really quick uh, give you a little background of my company okay, okay? Um, so we are development marketing team we go by DMT um, and basically my partner and I she's on a marketing end. she has her own digital marketing company I was always a broker I've been a broker or an agent broker for 10 years. And we decided to marry the concept between sales and marketing and blending it all together. So we are fully in-house. So we, we do all in-house marketing in terms of brand identity, but then we also do traditional brokerage. Now the piece that we bring in here that makes us different is that we are driven by data. So Erica is a data scientist and what we have 
we discovered a couple years ago is that other industries were really quickly adapting to the positive impacts of social media mm-hmm. and that the real estate market was kind of antiquated and kind of like lagging behind in using these approaches, right? So we started really quickly like developing a robust digital strategy. So basically brand identity on Instagram. This was four or five years ago when I started doing this. Video tours pre-pandemic, okay? I know that a virtual walkthrough became like commonplace only a year ago. We were doing virtual walkthroughs four or five years ago. People thought I was crazy, you know? And I don't mean to stop so, you there, but it's, it's crazy you brought that up because I actually went to a, it's called the Emerge Americas Conference down here in Miami. Yeah. This was like 2014, 2015, 2016. And they were talking about real estate, virtual tours, uh, showing virtual tours to like foreigners who wanted to invest in Miami. It was pretty wild. Yeah, that's when we started. I had my second daughter in 2016, and that's probably right around the same time we started doing this very strong online presence, okay? And using my digital, my Instagram as a virtual network. Mm -hmm. So very early on, I decided that like, I'm not that cool. All I do is real estate. So my, let's say target audience is brokers and sellers and buyers and renters. Like I don't, you're not following me for fashion and maybe do, but like, I'm not like, you know, but so that is what my entire online presence was. But fast forward that, you know, what we, going back to your original question is like, what is our angle? We created, um, an everyday creating basically a process of lead gen or lead generation for, individual properties and also, or more importantly, uh, volume, right? Mm. So what we do is we understand, we use data from the very beginning in programs called, we have tools like social listening programs or watching the migration, like basically migration patterns. Okay. So let's say a developer hires us and says, okay, I'm going to put up a building here. I'm going to put up a hundred units. So we start understanding from a data collective perspective, what that market looks and feels like because we create algorithms and we social listen and we kind of understand and capture what the target audience is doing on their phones. Okay. What is their digital blueprint look like? And I don't think, I mean, I think it's becoming more commonplace to understand that everything you do online Yep. It's mm-hmm. trackable essentially. In every business okay. you need so that's what Facebook is. Yeah. Like that is that is the Facebook model. Okay. And so we basically apply it to real estate. The simplest form, we apply it to real estate. We're the first, I'll say it, quite the first. And um so when we go down to the Miami market, I'm going down from the perspective that I have tech tools and an understanding of probably one of the most sophisticated residential markets in all the country, which is New York. Okay. I also understand the New York buyer. So if what developers are targeting in Miami is, uh, is my clientele, my bread and butter, I understand uh, what the look and the feel visually of a building should be like to call their attention, slogans, colors, fonts. Like we really go into the nitty gritty when we consult on these projects and and it's create a brand identity for the building itself. And we create a lot of tools that will facilitate driving the appropriate leads to that building to facilitate faster transactions, whether that's a rental or a sale. So these tools that we've created in house and this process, I would say, 
is what we're going to lead in this market. I am not, I'm a luxury broker. Yes, because I sell expensive real estate, but I am not a luxury broker. Okay. Like that there are a lot of them and they are very good at what they're, what they do and everyone knows who they are. And it's really sexy. I am the basic bitch of real estate. I am a volume Uh, girl. Okay. I am a transaction. Somebody sell, you know, like money's money. Somebody. Yeah. Like I, I don't discriminate between 10, $1 million deals and one $10 million deal. Right. So we're going to go down there with, with a different approach on how to market and sell real estate. That is what I'm That's coming down to you've, you've built those in-house tools. So basically you're using all this for yourself and for your self-growth and your self-business. That's amazing. Correct. So, th- there's a, so there's, we, yeah. There's a huge ed- edge there too with uh, real estate syndication. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, I can't, sorry, I can't wait. Um, I think one of the biggest tools that we've created and this is after 10 years of understanding like what you need as an agent is uh, we created a really crazy CRM and that's going to be one of the most exciting things. One of the most exciting products we roll out next year. That's awesome. So we've been beta testing it here. All my agents use it. I use it. Sammy way. So, uh, you know, what we've done to create all the tools in house is just to make me more efficient. Right. And in creating these, cause it's kind of like, I have these ideas and I ask Erica like, well, can we do this? And she's like, yeah, we can. So just something as simple as like, let's say putting a QR code on a townhouse sign. I put, I listed a townhouse last week in Soho, 7 million, you know, I just had a, a basic, but okay. My one little, little trophy right now, $7 million property. We put a QR code within 24 hours. I had 26 leads from the QR code. But when I set up my QR code, I actually lead generate. So you scan it and, and you have to give me data as a value exchange to get the information you want out of that property. Wow. And it drops so we right created into your a one CRM. And then they, once they drop right into my CRM, exactly. And then Genius. I can nurture that prospect throughout their journey. So that's just one of the things that we've started implementing, you know, um, and it's really exciting. And that's that's what we're coming down to introduce to the to the Miami market, um, specifically working with developers and also big brokerage companies down there um, and independent brokerage companies, because we can definitely license out our products to them and make everyone a lot more efficient. And I'm big in collaboration, uh, especially in residential transactions. I think one of the biggest misconceptions is that you have to be in like, like you have to kind of be like this adversarial when you're representing a buyer or a seller. And I'm the opposite. Like you're a broker. I'm a broker. We have the same goal in mind. Your client wants to buy. My client wants to sell. Like let's collaborate totally. in doing this. You know, you, you said a lot of big things and I really love the fact that you hone in on tech and software in your business, because I think any business in today's world needs to have their own in-house tech and software uh, first of all, that's up to date and that it adapts to the markets, the shifts of the markets in their respective industries to be able to have that edge. And I think that's amazing that you that you um, you guys are doing that. And for yourselves, of course, you. because it does it does it does make a huge difference. You know, just alone, like you're saying, the QR code It's funny because I've talked to him about for other things I've done. I was like, man, these QR codes and all this other stuff, the way things are going, they need to be implemented in certain in certain ways and, and strategies to just bring more leads, all that stuff, especially when I do a lot of the business coaching stuff. Um, that's one of the things I do. I'm very honed, I'm very focused on making sure that CRMs make sense 
for the exact you know industry that that I'm in industry. Or for the industry that yeah exactly that I'm helping my clients win because it's it's a huge 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 game changer are you guys creating your we'll CRM? show you ours okay, yeah, that'd be okay. When, when it's yeah I'd love to give you a CRM is it straight off we'll scratch or you guys par- you, you guys like building it from scratch or you guys partnered up with a, a CRM company you guys are kind of like model like adding on features and certain pieces to it yeah, right now it's still in development mode, but we will be building out completely from scratch. Nice. Um, right now it's a lot of programming, like you said, to understand like how everything works together. You know, it's as simple as like, it's not as simple. Erica would laugh at me if she said it's as simple, but it's like we have been, we create our own programming to be able to link certain programs to make them work together to see if that's how it works. And then we'll go ahead and the next step will be to obviously create the whole software from scratch. But, you know, I think a lot of CRMs for real estate are out there. None of them have been that, that effective in my personally, I never, I tried a bunch. They were always so complicated. They never, they never do what they're supposed to do. And, you know, like again, coming from the, perspective of being a high volume transactional broker. I know what you need to be able to stay organized, to nurture, to, to actually, you know, um, close the deal, close the deal. Yeah. Like turn a lead into an actual sale, which is, you know, the hardest thing that you, you can do. And going back to what you're saying is, but on top of that also data is the most powerful thing right now that you can own or understand. So I think that our industry, just not understanding that and how these big brokerages are still just creating beautiful marketing, but they have no idea who's seeing it, if it's working, you know, is it the right messaging, target audience coloring? And it's kind of like throwing shit against the wall to see Mm -hmm. if it sticks. And then the developer also has no way to track that. Like I just spent $50,000 on a campaign. Like what did it bring me? Like they can't track it. There's nothing tangible until we came along and all of our developers are seeing a huge return on their investment with us. They're seeing their cost per lead go down especially rentals. Like, you know, people sleep on rental buildings. I'm a big advocate of taking over rental, uh, rental buildings. Um, for my agents, it's great money for us. It's just future prospecting because they turn buyer or if not, at least it's prospecting for, for future clients, referrals, yep. et cetera. And, um, it's a long-term York, play. It's, it's, right. I'm all about long-term too. Play. I'm not in this for the short run. This is a marathon. I'm not trying to become, you know, uh, what does it mean to be number one if you can't continuously progress in your totally. career, right? So, totally. yeah. And you mentioned data a whole bunch of times. Like we were talking about on our podcast earlier, you know, the data wars that you see in big companies like, you know, Tesla, Amazon, those, they're data companies is what they are. Yeah, that's you all know, they we are. They're data it. aggregators. You brought it up. Correct. It's yeah, crazy. that's it's the most powerful currency is data, and that's why you're seeing so much fighting over it right now. Even Facebook just changed her name. And so, Alisa's about to dominate down here. That's what I'm hearing. I hope to dominate in both markets and maybe even <laughs> nationally. But yeah, um, but look, we're coming. You know, we're, we want to come into the market. Um, like I said, non-adversarial. We want to come collaborative with the existing brokers and brokerages that are down there because New York is our 
HQ. And this is my bread and butter. Um, But yeah, I think that Miami is not ready for DMT, but DMT Uh is so ready for Miami. Uh Oh, man, I already liked what I was hearing already. You You got some innovative stuff going on. Where we actually will be down next week. We'll be at the Real Deal Conference. Me and my partner will be down starting to, you know, plan some routes. Some prospecting, um, Network, prospecting. Yeah. I don't know if you guys will be there. We'd love to meet you in person if you are. Definitely hit us up. But we're excited. Yeah, we're going to the Real Deal event is uh, next Wednesday. Yeah, we'll be there. Awesome. No, we definitely will. You definitely got to connect with us then. When you're down, here. how long are you, gonna, are you guys gonna only be here during the event, or are you guys gonna stay a little bit after? No, we're just there for three days. I, you know, I can't leave my kids. This is actually the first time I'm oh. leaving my kids in a lot of years. So, um, because the other side of me is mom, uh, so I have to kind of balance that. So I, I couldn't leave them for too long. Mean. I got my little girl, so I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. You have how, how many girls do you have? I just got one, but I know what you mean. When you're when you're gone too long yeah. from your little one, it's like, man, it sucks. Yeah. yeah, last night I worked late, and this morning I left really early. So it's like it's been like 24 hours that I've only seen him for like a second, and I'm like, I really miss my kids. I have two little girls. I have uh, Valentina and Gabriela. Well, well I'll tell I'll tell you this. They're gonna thank you later for for. The, the time spent that you worked on your businesses, creating what you're creating, because they're going to be able to have opportunities that you probably never had growing up at the beginning that you're able to give them now. And I think that's the most important thing. They can say, thank you, mom. I love you. Badass mom right there. Thank you. Those girlfriends already have opportunities. Just to give you like, a <laughs> quick story. Like I remember as a kid, so I'm taking them to Disney on ice. And like, as a kid, like I think I went maybe once. Cause I mean, who could afford that? Right. Like, Please. Cuban family. And I sat like way in the back. You and, know, and, like, and, and hold and hold up the best one. Okay. Don't don't even think que te voy a comprar el juguete ese. Okay, no hay dinero. Ni una mierdita. Ni uh-huh. una mierdita. Exactly. And show you know, and that's it. And we that's and, it. and we eat we eat breakfast Before. here and then we eat dinner after. We leave the park. 100%. Abuela's cooking. Um, Qué rico, right? Yeah, Qué well, rico. my girls, yeah, my girls are sitting front row next week, and it's a huge accomplishment as a mom. I'm like, wow, like I was able to get them these like, front row Disney on Ice tickets, Love which, it. you know, it doesn't seem like a big deal, but like for somebody, you know, when like I said, if you know, roots like mine are definitely, um, they're they're very meaningful, and I appreciate every moment of where I came from because it really makes all the wins that much more special. And I appreciate every day what we're accomplishing a lot more because of that, you know, at least in my experience. Yeah. 100%. And we talking about it all the time, man, Elisa, I got to say, thank you so much for coming on today, dropping the information, your energy and and just being the amazing person you are and and super mom as well. uh, Because I got to call it that. You know, so I really want to say thank you. I know Brian's going to say thank you as well. Uh, but before we wrap it up, I, I do want to give you the floor too to be able to let people know where they can connect with you, where they can find you. And of course, for all our Miami listeners, you know, they can welcome you back to Miami with, uh, with you putting a shop down here. Thank you. I, I really appreciate your time. I was so honored when you guys reached out to me. 
And I was so excited. I was definitely a little nervous. So I hope that it didn't go. I didn't killed it. Don't worry at all. Killed it. Don't worry at all. There's nothing to be nervous about. To uh, <laughs> so find me on Instagram is absolutely 100% the best way to connect with me. I will answer every DM or I actually have an incredible social media person. Her name is Ellie Cavallari. And she has been with me from the beginning. She has helped me build this brand. And so you can find us on um, at Alyssa Soto Brody. So S O T O B R O D Y. And, um, or email me, Alyssa at dev marketing team, whatever. And I'm happy, you know, for me, what I love most is connecting with anybody out there who is either thinking of being an entrepreneur or is an entrepreneur or, you know, especially the young, the younger generation, like reach out to me. I will take the time to talk to you. I'll let you know my story. I will tell you how I overcome challenges. I will meditate with you because I am a huge hokey meditation journaling, like, you know, vibing with the universe kind of girl. So, um, if any of your listeners do want to chat, please reach out to me just to even say hello. Cause I love that. Because I think in life, you get what you give. That's right. Amen. Uh, Alisa just grabbed your data. I, just <laughs> <laughs> I might, I might take some of your data. But it's for good reason. It's, it's to put up beautiful reasons. properties. <laughs> exactly. No, I love it. I love it. Alisa, like we like to always do it over here on the Sort It Out podcast. We also like to take you through a little quick burnaround of questions. And then we'll wrap it wow. up. All right, Brian, you want to start? Question number one. So when is the official date of the move down here? Do you have a date? Um, I officially I'd love it to be the day that I opened DMT New York, which is December 3rd. But just to be more a realist, I think it's going to be early January of 2022. Knocking around Amazing. the door. Love it. Yeah. Question number two. What's the craziest and wildest experience you ever had as a Miamian? I mean, I started going to Club Maze when I was 15, guys. So (laughs) the craziest experience was honestly probably that night, 4th of July weekend. I think I was 15, 16 years old, and I went to my first club, which was a rave at the time, and it was crazy. (laughs) Well, there are the raves here. But I I mean, but I also, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of wild, crazy nights. Miami definitely has a reputation it lives up to. That's right. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That's right. Ryan, anyone? Any other question? No, I got good. one more. You hit it. All right, Elisa, what's the biggest piece of advice you can leave off to all our listeners today in one single sentence? Strive to accomplish something every single day, no matter how big or small. And even if it's waking up and giving gratitude that you're alive and breathing, fine. Mm, I, love I love that. that. Yeah. Guys, you heard it from the firepower woman herself. Alisa, <laughs> wrapping it up with a big one. Guys, if you got value you out of guys. this podcast, if you, uh, you know, you took something away from here, if you want to connect with her, um, if you want more of this kind of content, please give us feedback, leave a review, leave a rating, uh, share this, because the more love you show us, the more love we can show back. Thank you so much again for coming on, and we can't wait to meet you Thank in person you. and have you here on in person. I know. I can't wait to see you guys. Yes. I hope to see you next week. Same here. Thank Same. you so much. Thank you. Bye, guys. Later. Nice to meet you. Same. If we have more time, we'll.